Thank you. <laughs> oh, good morning to everyone. Uh, I'm awfully sorry I'm sitting down. It's not, it's not normal, but... I think if I if I'd just flown back from Australia, it might be understandable. But for some reason, I've got a deep vein thrombosis in this leg, or at least so I was told at the Conquest Hospital yesterday. So it's a bit painful to stand on. So I'm sorry I'm sitting. <laughs> um, the the, the t talk today really is on uh, John 10, um, and if I read. I hope it's the same, I think it's up on the screen, I hope my version's the same, but I'll, I'll read it through at any rate, and then we'll press on. <clears throat> Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and, then, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock are scattered. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for, for the sheep, I have, other, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But the others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I think it's quite a privilege to be speaking this morning on this great passage, which is 
very well known, really, and, and says, says quite a lot. Um, John's writing about Jesus' teaching on the Good Shepherd sums up all the major themes of the Gospel right up to that point. And that, of course, we've finally reached the climax with the cross. This passage was clearly at the same time and is just a follow-on from the previous, which is chapter 9, which this concerned the healing of a man who was born blind. And Jesus healed him by putting mud on his eyes. It was, all, it was all done on the Sabbath, of course. And the Pharisees were incensed, really incensed by this. And, and they really showed no compassion for the blind man. In their minds, he was already a write-off. And he'd already been put out by them, out of the synagogue and out of the fold. But luckily, Jesus healed him and he took him into his fold. Now, this chapter 10 is directly addressed to the Pharisees. The whole of this passage should be understood, of course, in the light of the Old Testament concept of a shepherd. This was to symbolize a royal caretaker of God's people. That was what a shepherd was. In fact, God himself was called the shepherd of Israel. And he had given great shepherding responsibility to the leaders of Israel, which they actually failed to respect. God denounced these false shepherds. And there's a strong passage about this in Isaiah, Isaiah 56. I'll read it. Come, wild animals of the field. Come, tear apart the sheep. Come, wild animals of the forest. Devour my people. For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds are all blind to every danger. They are feather-brained, and give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie there, love to sleep, to dream. And they are greedy as dogs, never satisfied. They are stupid shepherds who only look after their own interest, each trying to get as much as he can for himself from every possible source. In Ezekiel 34, we read, As I live, says the Lord God, you abandon my flock, leaving them to be attacked and destroyed. And you were not real shepherds at all. You fed yourselves and let them starve. Therefore, I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. And I will destroy the powerful fat shepherds, I will feed them, yes, feed them punishment. And then later down the chapter, and in verse 29, it finishes with, and I will raise up a notable vine, and in brackets they've got the Messiah, which of course it was, Jesus, in Israel, so that my people will never again go hungry. In this way they will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them. You are my flock of sheep of the pasture, so says the Lord. And then, of course, we've got the well-known 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's really summed up completely by this sermon of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah used the symbol of the shepherd to describe the coming Messiah. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. 
he shall gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with the young. So after all these battles, of course, that Jesus had had with the Pharisees, it's not surprising that Jesus had turned to the subject of shepherding, based on, of course, all his knowledge of, of the Old Testament. So in John 10, he contrasts himself, the good shepherd, with the Pharisees and religious leaders of the Jews, who were the evil shepherds. The sheep pen that Jesus talks about would have been a court, a large court, surrounded by quite high walls, open to the sky, but with only one entrance. The walls stopped the sheep, of course, from wandering and protected them from wild animals. There may also have been several, we think of it being one flock, but there may have been several flocks kept there at night, being kept in. They were contained and would have been kept well away from thieves and predators. In the morning, each shepherd reports to the doorkeeper, who recognised him and lets him in the sheep pen. Once inside, each shepherd calls out his own sheep and leads them out of the pen. They know his voice. The sheep of each flock go to their own shepherd when he calls their names, and they follow him outside, returning again in the evening, of course, to go through the process again. Jesus, Jesus then loses, uses this familiar scene to demonstrate how he is Israel's true shepherd. Many of the Pharisees and other Jewish leaders are failed and were failed evil shepherds, who Jesus referred to as the thieves and robbers. Their interest is in themselves. So they simply cannot actually get in. Jesus said in verse 7, he is the gate for the sheep. So they cannot present themselves at the gate as they, as they will be recognised. The only possible route for thieves and robbers is over the wall. So any true shepherd can always enter the sheep pen the sheep recognise him in his voice. And this is the way that the good shepherd demonstrates his rightful claim to his sheep. The doorkeeper recognises him and grants him access to the door. So they know, the, they know the shepherd and the sheep know him and the doorkeeper knows him. So in verse 7, Jesus tells us that he is the gate and the only gate into the safety of the sheep pen. So in this passage... Though, it, though in his mention of thieves and robbers he is alluding to the Pharisees and other Jewish leaders who were currently opposing Jesus, he did at that point, whether in the past, present or future, all false shepherds are all alike in that they use and abuse the sheep for their own selfish interests. And I think if we think of some of so-called Christian leaders, even today, that actually you could, lie that, you could apply that to use and abuse the sheep for their own selfish interests. So it's applicable now. He is saying that there were and are still many who claim, even today, to be shepherds of God's flock, but who are certainly not. And this is a strong warning about the, these false teachers, of which there are sadly many, They attempt to gain access and false leadership in a way that avoids the Lord's boundaries. 
So quite simply, if they don't meet the job description of a true shepherd as described in Ezekiel and elsewhere, that's what they are. Any false shepherds who would claim to be the Messiah do not fulfil any of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah and his coming. So the clear message here is that those who listen to the words of the, of the Good Shepherd build their personal relationship with him and follow him and will not be led astray. Jesus is the door for the sheep. In verses 7 to 10, it is not the, the shepherd who passes through the door, but his sheep. Those sheep who pass through the door, who listen for the voice of the good shepherd Jesus, trust him and respond to his calling, are those who are saved and who enter into abundant life. So in sheep terms, they enjoy the safety of the shepherd's care and protection and the abundance of the grass and water that he takes them to. They couldn't have it any better. And in people terms, those who trust in Jesus are forgiven their sins, enter into the great life under his protection, guidance and tender care of Jesus, who is their good shepherd. So in verse 8, Jesus makes quite a sweeping statement. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now he couldn't possibly be referring to godly men like Moses and Elijah, but he's probably saying all those who have come before me, claiming to be me, are thieves and robbers. Jesus is the one and only door to salvation. So the points we must note are, firstly, Jesus is the good shepherd. Are all, good shep or are all shepherds good? Clearly not. Oh, the sunshine is on it. <laughs> to recognise the good shepherd, we must listen to his voice as he calls us. He is the leader and we must follow him. If we are his sheep, we are in his loving care. Only the good shepherd truly cares for us. And only the good shepherd truly cares for his entire flock. And the good shepherd also gives us eternal life. And the hired hand is interested only in his wages, not his sheep. And, there was, and if there was danger, he would run away and leave the sheep to be ravaged by the predators. The passage also tells us that there are also other sheep. Verse 16 I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, those who are outside, outside Judaism. These sheep already belonged to Christ, although not, they had not yet been brought to him. Salvation of all is God's work, and many Gentiles are called to respond, and they will do if they are his sheep. What we must realize is that these others, that's you and me, are not inferior or a separate flock. Those who believe in Jesus make up one flock, who listen and follow him and are cared for individually. In this passage, we, see a, we just see a small glimpse of God's future worldwide church. One flock of everyone, believing Jews and Gentiles, all under one shepherd, Jesus. 
And secondly, what makes this shepherd so different? In verse 11, Jesus states, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is a remarkable statement. It was normally considered that Palestinian shepherds would actually protect their sheep, but at least they would always, always come out alive. But Jesus is saying he will not, that he would die for his sheep. And what a di radically different shepherd he is. The fact that Jesus would die for his people is of central importance. This is a blunt statement. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. The point being that anyone could say they have authority to, to lay down my life. I could jump off a cliff if I wish to. I've got the authority to do it. But if one is dead, however, there's no authority to become undead. Jesus had that authority. So what made him different? Christ had this authority, and it's only because he was being obedient to his Father and chose to die, which he did on the cross, no one would ever have been able to kill him because he, he gave that authority. It is these statements we see in verse 19 that the Jews were divided. They had seen the sight restored to the blind man. Some of them were saying he had a demon and was mad. There were a few who may be, have been seeing the light as we get to the question that they were asking themselves at the end of the passage. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus is the good shepherd. He is our good shepherd every minute of the day and he intimately cares for us all, his sheep. Do we really know the shepherd? Are we listening to him, everything he says to us? And he speaks quite loudly at times. He sometimes even shouts at us. Are we always remembering and thankful for his great care and his unique shepherding sacrifice. Amen.